Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and investors pursuing a life of freedom. We're here with Brent Bowers. Brent, we'd love to kick this off with a story. So could you just start us off with one of your craziest real estate transactions or experiences that you've ever faced? There's so many. And the one that comes to mind the quickest, uh, there's, I feel like every property has its story. Uh, every house has its story, every apartment complex, the land, not so much. Um, but the one that I can think of is we got a call from a, a real estate agent and it was this house and they had just removed the body that was in there that the dog was eating and no one else wanted to look at it. So they thought of us first. And first of all, I was there like a little bit embarrassed, like, man, I guess you think really low of us. Uh, but on the other hand, I was also thinking, yeah, I love <laughs> being the, the guy you call when you have no other options. So I, we didn't end up buying the property. It just the numbers didn't work out. But I just thought, wow, it's crazy. The dog was eating the Hi. poor soul. The well, soul is no longer in the body, but, you know, the yeah. poor person that passed away and he didn't have didn't have any family or friends like it was weeks went by and this poor dog and then they had to kill the dog because like once you get a taste of human like i guess the the animal's not allowed to be around anymore whoa so, yeah kind of i didn't crazy. know that that's crazy so this guy's in there deceased and cops obviously haven't been notified that's wild Sorry. I was going to say, usually they say, like, if, if you die with a dog, the dog will sit there and die with you. If you die with a cat, that cat will eat you the same day you die, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of the cliche. So, I mean, yeah. it kind of surprised me that the dog ate the guy. Yeah, I think it, maybe it was a few nibbles. I'm not sure how much. I didn't get to see it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's one that's like, you know, where it says just put on a little paint and clean the carpet. You know, that's a. I think you have to do a little bit more than that on that one. So right. they probably cut a, a patch out and replace that portion. But wow, <laughs> crazy! <laughs> I'm 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 glad for your sake you didn't have to see it. That nah. that'd be yeah. pretty brutal. So take us through your journey. Like what what led you to get into real estate, and like what was the main motivation <laughs> your your vision for it? So I always wanted to do something big one day. You know, just be. <sighs> be a business owner, be an entrepreneur. And I was always fascinated with, you know, taking something and making it a little better. It started with the lawn service growing up. I always like just really loved the manicuring my parents' yard. I would mow the grass and just take a lot of pride into it. And then it turned into bigger things um, like cars. And then it turned into houses and why not real estate? Uh, because, you know, nine out of 10, they say nine out of 10, real uh, nine out of 10 multimillionaires, purchase real estate um they don't say nine out of ten millionaires flip houses they, they don't say that um so i was like okay well real estate it is so i, I got on this journey of, of education this is really before any of us knew about youtube and all these podcasts were so great like the freedom chasers podcast but i started like from age 18 like getting credit cards and maxing them out going to uh, real estate seminars and gurus and I was like, one day I'm going to be that dude up there teaching people how to do this because I'm going to be mm. that good at it. And I would leave that weekend and Monday would come and I get that first rejection and that's it. Like I wouldn't know the answer and there was no one to call. 
because uh, those guys were taking the week off, hopefully, because they just taught all weekend long. Um, and that mm. just kept going down that pursuit. And eventually I realized you just got to take action on all this stuff you're learning, all this instruction, because the action is taken and then the result happens, a.k.a. a, a seller calls you and says, let's do the deal. Or, you know, they, Dolph Delrue, one of my coaches, said the opportunity of a, of a lifetime comes around once a week as long as you're looking for it. Yeah, you'd be so, amazed how true that is too. And I love what you mentioned, like just taking imperfect action. Like the more actions you take, the more results you get back, the more feedback you get, the more you could change or make micro adjustments and fix what you're doing wrong. Yeah, so true. That's so true. Massive, imperfect, crazy action. You're gonna you're gonna make mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're not doing jack. Like you're not doing exactly. Anything. Um, you know, you're going to hire that bad, that bad hire. Like people are going to rip you off. Contractors are going to take your money. People are going to sell you land that there's craters in the ground. You name it. Like they're going to, there's always going to be a mistake to be made, but you just try and mitigate them and reduce them and buy it right. And, or sometimes with real estate, it's very forgiving. If you hold it for 30 or 40 years, it's very forgiving. If you're playing the infinite game, that's what I love is if you're playing a short game, speculative game, then you got to be right. It's tough. If you're playing the long game, you're going to win almost every time. Take us through your journey. So you're you're going to these conferences, you're maxing out credit cards, you've got the big dream. Kind of take us through a little bit of your life after that point and give give us give our, our audience a sample of who you are. Yeah, no. Um so 2007, I finally got that real estate license. Um I remember remember telling one of my virtual assistants about this uh just recently. And it's like I would mow grass all day, uh, working in the hot sun of Florida, 100 degrees, 100 percent humidity, and then be done by like four or five o'clock. And sorry that the lawn guy just showed up too. Hopefully you're not hearing too much of that. Um, <laughs> Impeccable timing. Yeah, yeah. So I would work until about five, and then drive an hour to the college to do my course. It was like 62 hours back then fall asleep during the class and then have to drive home and just do it all over again. And finally got that license. And then I was like, well, this is what we do. Uh, we buy, we buy properties as, as real estate agents, right? Most real estate agents don't buy properties for some reason at all. It's I crazy. want to be an agent so I could buy properties. I was like, I want, I want the deals to come across my desk. So that week that I joined exit realty, my sponsoring agent listed a house. I put an offer on it. And guess what? It got accepted in 2007. Mm. So I got a loan. Um, I ended up having to get a, a line of credit too because there was some fixing up needing on this house. And got it fixed up, rented it out to a tenant. She was paying amazing money. Um, me and my brand new wife moved to the coast, left the lawn business to my father. And it's still going today. Mm. Like he, he kept building it up. And that's when about like this craziness started happening with 2008 and it's just a, just a slow down and um, things got pretty rough and me and my wife uh, moved in with uh, her parents and I now w went from a literally a business owning real estate agent and I'm sorry my my email keeps popping up it won't go away for some reason but I went from this guy that owned a business I have a rental property, a real estate license to like, I can't even pay my bills. And I'm living with my in-laws mm. in this 900 square foot house. 
with a small child. It wasn't my child. It was my wife's little sister and literally two bedroom, one bath. So I'm like losing my confidence and it's just, it just started showing and I started like waking up later and um, just, it just was just wearing on me and my wife's grandpa, um, I, re I really just respected him. He actually introduced me to Jim Rohn and not, not in person, but through the cassette tapes that I transferred mm -hmm. the CDs and I turned my truck into a mobile university. I started changing my mindset and my, my wife's grandpa also said, join the military. Like, you know, take a little bit of a change, go back to school, like readjust, recalibrate. And I respected him so much. I went down to the air force recruiter, uh, me and my wife and, um, air force wasn't willing to take me. They were taking people, but not me. They wouldn't accept me into the, the air force, but luckily the air force recruiter said, go next door to the army. Those recruiters will take anybody and I'm coachable. And so I did it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. October, 2009 joined the army and, uh, took several years off of real estate until about 2013. Cause I was out of the country. And so what was that? I mean, first of all, thank you for your service. Thanks. Give us an example. I mean, were there lessons learned in the military that you were then able to apply when you got back into the real estate world? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the military taught me that I can do more, go longer. You know, you're just capable of so many more things like mentally, physically, everything. And like, and you don't have to go through the military to figure that out. You just got to push yourself a little bit. Um, but that was, I mean, eight and a half years, that was a major stepping stone in my life. And I had a great time too, but it was also some of the worst times of my life as well. It's amazing. Like mm -hmm. the peaks and the valleys, they were just shorter, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but I got the money thing worked out. And then my life, my personal life went into to the toilet on my second deployment and me and my wife no longer worked. Like stop taking my phone calls. Like I was gone for like years, like a year at a time. That's pretty rough on a marriage. Um, so I had to figure that all out. And, uh, you know, the army pulled me out of the second deployment in 2013, sent me to college to be an officer. And I kind of just took, you know, took my swing back at real estate. I'd literally just come off of a almost working 24 seven, really downrange. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just kept that same energy motion going and built a real estate company. Yeah. So, so you're on deployment gone for a long time. Obviously, as you mentioned, it takes a toll on your marriage. Marriage dissolves. That's obviously got to be a pretty difficult time in your life. Can you speak to those emotions? Can you speak to the mindset shifts that you had to go through to be able to press on? I mean, sometimes that cripples people, but obviously you were able to leverage that into what you're doing now. So can you, can you speak to that transition? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, it's, uh, definitely takes a, a hit on your confidence. Once again, it's like, oh, man, I, like I was incapable of keeping this marriage together. Or, like she doesn't love me or same thing with women. He doesn't love me. It's never you. Like she had her own things to deal with as well. Um, you know, it takes two to tango and it, it takes like, I don't think, I don't think it's possible to have a long distance marriage, but as far as the mindset, you know, I just kept pushing through where there are hard days. Like, did I cry? Heck yeah, I did. Um, but it's like, that was the hardest thing. One of the hardest things in my life, but I got through it. She got through it. Um, and we're both doing very well now, but it's just, you just keep trucking forward and, and time heals everything. And my thing was, I just stayed busy. Like 
and it was on productive things rather than, you know, going down the path of, of drugs or whatever, alcohol and smoking cigarettes. Uh, not that there wasn't some alcohol involved, but, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but I just right. kept pushing. I, I just, you know, after my classes, I bought a second house and I started renovating it at nighttime. So your original thought was to keep busy, essentially. Um, do you think that came from the army? Just like, hey, let's just get at it. Let's keep busy. Or do you think that is just a natural trait that you were always had? Natural trait. Um, my butt's always on fire. I've always got something going on. I jump out of bed in the morning. Um, and I think that if you don't have that as a person, you can train that into your body by, by scheduling and following it and disciplining yourself and building habits. It's like after I drop my children off in the morning, me and my wife kind of split it up. I have three kids now. Um, we split it up. If I, I could either drop the kids off or she goes and drops them off. But after that, my truck automatically goes to the gym. Like that's a habit. Like I, I could be d terribly sick and it would still happen. So you could train that too. But yeah, I've always been high energy, always got to be chasing something, you know? So you love the idea of having a future vision of what you want your life to look like that requires action to get there. Absolutely. And it does take a lot of action. And sometimes your actions are never not going to be, be enough you're going to have to enlist a team with, and share your vision with them and they either jump on board or not. Um, sometimes it takes other people's actions to help you row that boat too. Well, let's kind of talk about like when you get, you're getting back into real estate, right? Around 2013, what kind of challenges did you face um, as you were going through the emotional struggles at the same time? I'm sure your business was also hitting some roadblocks. So what kind of problems did you have to overcome? Yeah, 2013, None really. I mean, I, I, I had, uh, it was a great time to get back in great time to start buying again. Um, the whole craziness of 20, 2009, there was hope again. Um, I had, you know, better credit cash reserves. I mean, I pretty much wrecked it all in 2009. I was owing everybody money, breaking leases. And, uh, so I was building my own credit. Um, I also had time cause I didn't have a wife or children. I just had college classes. And as long as those got done, the army didn't care. Um, so as far as challenges is just finding the deals. And how did I overcome that? I put myself in front of potential deals, like people in foreclosure, notice of default list, knocking on doors, leaving notes, you know, things like that. Cause mm -hmm. you know why I left the notes? Cause the, the knocks kept getting quieter because I swear, like everyone was answering the door in Florida that day was like, at one time, I'm pretty sure they were like a linebacker for the NFL. So I just started getting nervous. So I just put like post-it notes on the doors. So you're still at that point chasing the residential game, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. What transitions you from the residential game to the land game? Now, that was the challenge right there. It was because in 2015, I finished college. Um, I'd also met my amazing wife, Emily, and... It's now time to move across the country. But before we did that, we had to go to Virginia for six months and then Colorado Springs, where I'm now a brand new second lieutenant. I'm taking charge of a platoon. I'm working like 13 hour days. Easy. I got to be on base by 6 a.m. And I'm usually leaving about seven. I'm getting home and my wife just put the baby to bed. Um, so I just had no time and not even a lot of money at the time. I had I had uh, three, four, five, six rentals by then, six rentals. And these freaking things, like they were forced savings accounts because there's always an air conditioner or a water heater or a stoppage that happens 
in one of those units. And like, here I am borrowing money again to fix this stuff. Um, but it was the time and money. And I was still searching for answers, like listening to podcasts, like Freedom Chasers podcast. I heard this guy on a podcast and he was talking about vacant raw lands. And I had just gotten done mailing the tax delinquent list for houses. And I didn't really get much from it. Um, few phone calls, but no, didn't buy any deals, but he was, this guy on this podcast was like, I'm buying land and like flipping it overnight and quadrupling my money. I'm not having to meet with the sellers and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, that's it. Like, like the mm. light bulb went off and I was like, why am I not buying land? So immediately I went home and I had already scrubbed the list. Like, cause I got a huge list of people behind on their taxes I had my uh, Filipino virtual assistant. I pay her five dollars an hour. She's still she's amazing. She no longer works for, with me because she became a registered nurse in in, uh, in uh, Virginia. But her sister now works for me or works works with me, I mm. should say. Um, but long story short, we just picked out the the vacant raw land and we sent a postcard saying, "Hey, I'd like to buy your land at one two three Main Street. Call me if you're interested in a fast cash fair offer, no hassle. God bless you." And the phone blew up. And just like that guy on the podcast said, he bought them differently. He was buying at auction. I, I didn't have time to go to auction. I didn't know how to find the auction. Mm -hmm. So I bought a property like literally the next weekend for $285, sold it to the realtor that worked at the realtor office one mile from the land for five grand the next day. So 285 turned into five grand, bought a second one the next week for 500 and sold that one for 500 down and 400 a month. That's the one that changed my thinking. That broke my brain, hmm. uh, as my friend Brent Daniels says. Like that's what shifted <laughs> my paradigm because I was like, "Wait a minute, I just covered my truck payment for the next like hmm. year and a half. Now I need to do another one to cover my wife's van payment." Oh, actually, she didn't have a van at the time; it was only one baby. She would be so mad if I said that she drives a van, it's like because she feels like not cool <laughs> driving a van. Now we have a van; <laughs> she loves it. But I was like, "This will cover Emily's car payment," and then. We do a couple more that covers my mortgage and a couple more that covers everything else. And before I knew it, we're like nine grand a month in about a, almost a year, almost 10 months, 10, 10 months to a year, something like that. This is back in 2016. Jeez. And I was like, holy crap, we're financially free. Now, granted, mm. some of these people will pay off in four or five years. That's why I do 30-year yep. mortgages now. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that allowed me to get out of the military, to be home every single day every morning for breakfast, every night for, for dinner, um, allows us to travel. And it's just, it's allowed me to build that fortress that, 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 uh, Jim Rohn talks about that nothing can ever get through. So that was how I chased yeah. freedom and I'm still chasing it. We're still growing it every day. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. 
The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Love this. So essentially, you're more focused on passive income than you are on active income, which is like so refreshing. You're using land contracts or installment sales, it sounds like, once you've purchased these. So your fixation then when it comes to financial freedom is just simply the amount of monthly income you get. Absolutely. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And now granted, we're not just sitting on a beach with our feet up. Like we take this passive income that comes every day into our bank account. We get paid multiple times a day from some of this land. We got 74 active notes right now um, where people are not behind. And we buy like, we're buying a mobile home that we're going to rent out. Uh, Literally, as soon as I get off this call, I got to transfer money. We're, we've got a 19-unit apartment complex. We've got our office building. So we put it into other cash-flowing assets like buildings to where we can get major tax benefits from. Yeah, so let's talk about how you structure these land deals. So obviously, yeah. um, like, how do you source them? Like, what, what is your strategy for finding these? I mean, you mentioned you, you're, you're kind of buying a list and you're mailing to them. Yeah. And then essentially you purchase outright and then you do seller financing on the back end, essentially. Got it. Yeah. I mean, when I just started out, when I was just starting out, I would get a tax delinquent list. And then it was so small. I originally was going to like, okay, I'm going to mail the people that are out of state also behind on taxes. Well, it you you mail them really quickly. Um, so then I'd mail the whole entire tax delinquent list and we'd get some more deals off of that. And then I was like, well, I need to do more deals. So I wasn't even, I wasn't even suppressing the list. I was just remailing some of these, these uh, people that were already behind on taxes, already out of state. Uh, and I was, you know, sometimes reinvigorating them because they're like, Hey, it's the second letter I got. I figured I'd call you. So it actually mm-hmm. worked out in my favor. I was like, Oh, I'm wasting money mailing again. Cause I mean, I was like, I was dipping into my savings. But never mind. Who am I kidding? I didn't have savings at, at that point when I first started mailing. I was like borrowing from Uncle American Express, um, you name it, Capital One. I still had that same card that I had maxed out on the seminars years prior. Um, but it was really working. It was taking off. And before I knew it, like the passive income was coming in. But how was I finding these? I'm literally just finding landowners and sending them a postcard as well as a land offer letter where I, I actually put the exact amount that I will offer for that land. And then they would sign these things and send them back to me, fax them back to me, email them back to me. And I can share that postcard and that, that, uh, land offer letter. Um, it's, it's your, anybody's for free that just goes to the land forward slash postcard. That's the postcard. Mm-hmm. We bought millions of dollars worth of land with that postcard. Plus, uh, not, not just land, but also houses too, plus houses. Mm-hmm. And I'll also give you the land offer letter. It's uh, thelandsharks.com forward slash LOL, like laugh out loud, because mm-hmm. I still laugh out loud that people sign these things and send them back. And the, I'm getting a deal at like 20 cents on the dollar sometimes. And so essentially, how, how do you price these things? I know that's something that 
you know, I mean, are you pricing every single property before you mail it out with an offer? Yep. Uh, we do price the properties the, with the land offer letter. Now, if we're going into a brand new county and, we're, and it's like, or for instance, I just uh, mailed the entire nation for inheritance land, for inherit land that has been inherited. I was like, I am not figuring out the prices on 14,000 parcels of land. Send a postcard. <laughs> that was a like one of those situations. However, I get better results when I send the land offer letter and I actually, you know, sniper, you know, focus into a certain mm -hmm. area. So let's just say we're trying to pick an area. That's going to be like one of the hardest picking an area and pricing the land. Let me answer both of those questions right now. So let's pick an area right now. Let's just say you're in the state of Florida. We'll go on Zillow.com, look at the solds tab, and then go to the houses, or I'm sorry, the, 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 the actual home type tab, click on that, deselect everything, look at land and lots only, and then pan, or actually then go to three months or 90 day, what's the same thing, three months uh, or six months. You can start whichever one and look and see where the clusters are at, like the clusters of yellow dots. It's Florida. There's going to be, the whole state's going to be filled up right now because there's a massive demand. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a, like a, like a tidal wave of people coming into Florida right now. So you might have to go to like seven days and then most of the state will probably still be filled up. So go to one day mm -hmm. and see where the clusters are happening. Mm -hmm. You're going to see clusters and I know exactly in my mind where they're at. I'll, I'll let whoever like wants to actually take the steps to go figure that out. But you're going to see it on the West coast. You're going to see it in the middle of the state and pick an area where the cluster is as tight as possible and click on each one of those dots and figure out like what size parcel of land is selling in that specific zip code, half acre, one acre, quarter acre, quarter acre, half acre, quarter acre, quarter acre, quarter acre. Okay. We now know the quarter acres are what's in demand. And then add all those quarter acres up as far as what they sold for. This one sold for eight. This one sold for nine. This one sold for 10,000. This one sold for 11,000. Add them all up and divide them by however many you added. So let's just say you add 10 up, divide it by 10. And there's your average price for a quarter acre lot and send your offer letters at 40 cents on that. Like, so say for instance, average quarter acre lots, 10 grand in that area and that specific zip code. And you want to send 40 cents on the dollar. So you're going to send offer letters at 40 or I'm sorry, $4,000 to, you know, John, the land seller. And are you buying these properties where they have, maybe they have 20 acres and with the intention of splitting it into you know, 80 quarter acre lots. I have done that. Um, not on a big scale, uh, but it does work. And we actually have two, a couple of those notes still paying us a lot of them paid off because uh, they're building mm -hmm. houses on them. Um, and those were some of the first I experienced or experimented with 30 year mortgages. And a lot of people think I'm crazy offering a 30 year mortgage. Uh, they're like, oh, you're going to be old whenever they pay that thing off. Well, here's the thing with a 30 year mortgage. Like there's reasons why banks have the biggest, prettiest buildings in every city and every state in the United States, because they know about money. They know about the 30 year mortgage and how it's compounding interest and how the first five to seven years is pretty much interest only. So I'm probably going to collect interest for five or seven years. But if someone does a $200,000 mortgage at 6% interest for 30 years, they're not paying back 200,000. They're paying back over 420,000. There's some serious math behind that. So one, I'm trying to extend my payments. Two, I'm trying to extend my interest. And three, that sometimes that interest number is way bigger than what I even sold the land for. And because you're selling on 
installment sales, you can usually charge more than the property you could get if you had to put it on the market and sell it just traditionally where they cash you out. Generally, yes. I try and just sell it for what it's worth retail, what mm -hmm. I'm seeing the other solds for. That way there's, you know, people aren't getting upside down in their equity because they will walk away from it. I want, I don't want them to walk away from it. There's too much land nice. to buy out there. Like, like I do everything we can to remodify. We only have loans on three of our parcels of land. Um, and those are about to be paid off hopefully, but this stuff's paid for. And it started with one lot though, that first $285 lot back in 2016. So I haven't even been doing this very long. Let's talk about like your disposition strategy. So obviously you're looking for land contracts. Like how do you find potential buyers? Are you looking at builders or are you looking for an actual end buyer that wants to build or, or kind of what yeah. get, dive into that strategy a little bit? Well, let's talk about builders. Let's just say that you're in a city and you see houses going up around you on vacant lots. Well, yeah, we're definitely looking for a builder. So we get the land first and then we go to the title company and say, hey, who's buying all the land around here? Or we go to PropStream and go to the cash buyer tab and then hit mm -hmm. vacant land only. And in the last six months, call every one of those people. Or you could really keep it simple and just go on the internet and go builder Colorado Springs, Colorado <laughs> or builders Colorado Springs, Colorado, and literally just work down the list and be like, I got a half acre lot. You want it? 30,000 got a half acre lot. You want it? 30,000. Yeah. Send you, send me, what's your email? I'll send it to you. Like that's the easiest way possible. How am I finding most of my buyers? Um, if we're in a new area, well, no, I shouldn't say if we're in a new area, you could, you eventually build a buyer's list really. But if, if I was starting out today and here's what I recommend to people starting out, cause I teach people how to do this one, Put that thing on Craigslist. Craigslist still sells land. Number two, put it on Facebook buy sell groups. Let's say you're in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and it's snowing outside for like the 15th day in a row and your car's covered up with snow and you're on a buy sell group because you're, you're just bored or you're working from home and just killing time and you see some sunny, sunny Florida land pictures or some Arizona warm <laughs> land pictures, you're probably going to be tempted to buy that land. If you only have to put like, you know, 3,700 down and pay 370 a month for the next 30 years. Uh, Facebook buy, sell group, Facebook marketplace. Um, I love putting out signs. I had some land I couldn't move the other day. It's that land that we had the, the three notes on. I told you about um, it's in Palm Bay, Florida, and I don't live too far from there. So I went out and put 12 signs up. We have a buyer that's buying all three of them. So hmm, land's going to be paid off. We're going to make a, uh, not as big of a profit as I wanted, but 22 grand. But I went and worked for almost three hours on a Saturday to, to make that. Yeah. So you're doing a relatively simplistic way of comping these properties. And so when you're doing market selection, what are some of the metrics that let you know it's a good market? Just that, that lots of land is selling? Yeah. I want to see land selling because I don't want to go out there and create a product that no one ever buys. I want to, I want to buy products that people are like literally beating down your door to get a hold of, and then even make it even better by offering the financing. Cause what do Americans think? How much is it going to cost me each month? Hey, what is the, what does the F-150 cost now? Who cares? It's 500 a month or 400 a month, whatever you can get it at. You know, how much you're going to put down type thing. Um, what kind of house can I afford? I can, I can get, I can spend 2000 a month. 
that's how Americans think. Yeah, and if you're selling a piece of land at $370 a month, I mean, my goodness, what is that like? For four thousand five hundred a year, or something times thirty years, you're getting one hundred and thirty thousand dollars, or give or take, <laughs> for a piece of land you probably bought for what ten or twenty thousand. Yeah, it's nuts, and it doesn't have to be high interest. Like, for instance, uh, that land that we're paying off, I borrowed from my in-laws, and they went up on me too. I used to pay them six percent, but now I pay them. I'm paying them ten percent. So I buy the land at forty-five. It's worth ninety. So my buyer is going to pay me 90 at 12%. I pay my in-laws 45 at, at 10% positive arbitrage. And I do it. I, I, I have it in my name. I do a land contract for my buyer. That way my mother-in-law secured if I get hit by a bus because she can go and take the land that I owe 45 grand on. It's got a note for 90. She's taken care of too. What are some of the unknown challenges that come with, with land that people might not be thinking about. Yeah. Unknown challenges. <laughs> so many, um, you know, and I, <laughs> and I, I give out a due diligence checklist cause for little things that have hit me in the past obstacles, but you always want to run title on these things. You want to make sure there's no like IRS tax liens. You want to make sure there's no breaks in the chain of title. Like for instance, um, if a husband and wife bought it and the husband and wife didn't sign it over properly, to their buyer, uh, then you broke the chain of title. And when someone wants to build on it one day, we're gonna have to fix that. Um, I never want to create problems for my buyers because that's gonna have that's gonna suck to have to give that 150 grand back if they have a a property that they thought they can build their dream home on and you screwed it up in the beginning. Um, you know, I bought land that I didn't go and look at with craters in the ground. <laughs> Like I, I was just getting cocky. I was like, oh, it's 3,700 bucks. So the, the county says it's worth 37,000. That's 10 cents on the dollar. And I was like, I was an executive officer for a forward support company for the infantry battalion. So I was like getting like hammered by officers and you didn't submit your slides and blah, blah, blah. And all these meetings. And I was like, all right, yep. Land checks out, buy it. And so I was trying to do my <laughs> land business while simultaneously being the executive officer. So I made some mistakes. Not, none in the army side, thank God, because that would have probably prompted right. me. But <laughs> that thirty-seven hundred dollar piece of land was worth maybe thirty-five hundred, and that was me financing it at zero percent interest because it had a huge hole in the ground. No one could build on that thing. So I don't know. Hopefully, that's enough mistakes. <laughs> I don't want to start yeah. crying here. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. So somebody getting started that's brand new. Like what's the, what's the thoughts they need to be thinking? What's the mindset that they need to have to be a successful land investor? You can do this. I don't care if you don't have time. I don't care if you don't have money. I don't care if you're blind. I've got a blind death guy making money in land. Uh, he was blown up, um, in Afghanistan. Like he was EOD. Um, there's everyone has 24 hours a day. Stop being lazy. Take action. I just told everyone how to make money. You go get the tax delinquent list. You download that postcard that I talked to you about. Send that postcard. You get the property under contract at a discount and you go and find a buyer. How did I find my first buyer? I was calling realtors right down the street from the land and the realtor bought it mm -hmm. from me for five grand and I paid 285. Craigslist, Facebook. Just do go out there and take action. That's it. Just go out there and do it. Fail forward. <laughs>
right? Um, awesome. So what are you working on currently, Brent? What are you working on building? How are you looking to scale your business as of today? You know what? Um, we're, we got a couple projects going on. We're, we're building a couple houses. I'm looking at a, um, RV park or a piece of land to turn into an RV park, a little bit bigger development deals. Um, and just, you know, trying to enjoy the process, making sure that we are, we keep our debt low. Um, not really trying to scale it. I'm really, really happy with the size of my team right now. Um, it's manageable. And I, we've got a CEO, Jen, she's, she's doing a tremendous job running the company. Um, and I guess the biggest thing I'm working on right now is I'm training other people how to build businesses like this that serves you and gives you freedom, your family freedom, uh, you know, and eventually serves others by the tithing and giving. Um, so I guess that's kind of what I'm working on. I've been training people how to do this. Uh, that's the biggest thing. Um, yeah. And building my YouTube channel. I, I love talking about the stuff. I release a video every day of the week. Monday through Friday. Mm. Uh, if you, anybody searches Brent Bowers, they can find it. Perfect. So, yeah, I mean, if the audience wants to get a hold of you, is that the best way for them to find you, to find you on YouTube? Or, or is there a website that they should be checking out? Or, or where can they find you? Yeah, go to YouTube. Uh, YouTube, search Brent Bowers. Um, if someone's interested in, you know, obviously download those those uh, that land offer letter in the postcard by going to the landsharks.com forward slash postcard or forward slash LOL. Uh, but there's also a way to schedule a call on there. If you want to fill out the form and schedule a call, talk to my team. If we like what you got to say, we might even invite you into the tribe and train you how to do it as well. Uh, but just go out there and start taking crazy and perfect action. Start making some mistakes. Absolutely, Brent. You hit the nail on the head. So, Brent, um, we wanted to sincerely thank you for coming on our show and giving us a glimpse of your life and business. And to everyone else out there chasing freedom, freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you do nothing else, just write down one action that you got from today, and you literally have a step-by-step -step plan on how to acquire land. So maybe you should go give that a shot. Make sure to implement it in the next seven days. And please share with somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode, and we will catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 